Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone. My name is Tom Miller, and uh, I am the owner of Leaders Building Leaders, and this is one of my favorite, favorite things to do is to, is to um, lead book studies. And so since uh, January, we've, we've led a, um, a four or five book studies, starting with Win, uh, Win Every Day, and we did Dare to Lead, and we've done um, No Fail Communication was a great one, and we did Change Your World, and as folks start to hop in, they'll probably remind me of the other books that we were doing. So, um, so, so happy for you to be with us. We'll let some folks come in here. And so if you get a second in the chat box, go ahead and let us know where you're joining us from. And what do you, and what do you do at that school? Are you a, a principal, a, a teacher? Um, and, and hey, hey, Natalie, it's so great to see you. And uh, I, I met uh, Tracy. He's in he's in Mississippi, which is great. And uh, Vanessa, always great to see you. She's a principal of a charter school in Matthews, North Carolina. So fantastic! As as folks come and we'll we'll share. And um, Vanessa, if you're going to be around, I'm going to just in case. I'm going to uh, make you the co-host, just in case for some reason the internet at this hotel doesn't doesn't uh, help us out. You too, Natalie. You're always really good to help me out here. So. And if you can't hang on, you know, you know, the whole time, that's fine. Um, but so, so we're, so we're here to talk about John Maxwell's book, Developing the Leaders Around You, such a, such a critical, critical skill to be able to do. And I actually happened to be here at the John Maxwell conference um, here, here in Orlando, Florida. So I got to learn from John today. And then we had uh, Dave Ramsey came, if anybody likes that uh, Dave Ramsey. He also is here and did a, a keynote. So over the next a couple of days, we'll be learning from other John Maxwell team faculty members and, and uh, some of the uh, folks who will be speaking at our Live the Lead conference, which is October 8th, which I know some of you already signed up for. So it'll be great. So here's how these sessions will go. Um, you know, these sessions are for you, uh, but I'll probably spend at least 10, 10 minutes at the top of every call just, you know, doing a teaching around um, either what I'm learning from John Maxwell or something I picked up from the book. Um, make sure you have some form of copy, whether it's electronic or physical copy of your, of your uh, participant guide, uh, which would have come to you in one of the emails that came over the last you know, couple of days. And so you can either type onto that or just type it or just, you know, write into your journal. It's your choice. But the, you know, but the study guide is really good just to help you create your plan because that's what we want. We want everybody walking out of each week with an intentional plan uh, to not only grow themselves, but also grow the leaders around them, because it's, and I'm going to tell you why that's important, so, so welcome, everybody. Let us know where you're joining us from, uh, from the chat. I'm going to try to share, share my screen here, and I'm going to, I'm going to try uh, something out. I'm not, 
I'm not very good at this, but but I'm but I'm learning how. So if on a blank sheet of paper, if you've got a blank sheet of paper or just you know flip over, you know, maybe the back of one of those other sheets, um, I want you to I want you to try to let everybody in here. I want you to uh, draw a line at the top. Better line than I did. It's clear that one. <laughs> clear all drawings. Draw a line at the top. There we go. It's better. And then write the word there. Okay. And write the word there. Right. And this and this there might be like, you know, uh, your goal or your end vision. You know, whatever. You know, whatever it may be. And then and then at the bottom. The bottom of the line, ooh, oh, look at that. See, I'm learning so much. Here's like a straight line. At the bottom of the line um, or of your piece of paper, I want you to write the word here, okay? So at the top of your line, you've got there, and um, on your bottom line, you've got here. Now in, now, in between, you know, in between, we've got all this, all this space, okay? all this space. And so what I want to do, right, I want to be able to lead myself and my organization from here to there. Now, when I was a principal, I thought the only way to get from here to there was to just work more. Give me a yes in the chat box if you've fallen into that trap, right? I just got to work harder. The only way I'm going to get from here to there is I got I to work harder, right? So we got some... You got some chat box, yeah, I, I see it. So, but what I didn't know is that in, in between the two lines, the here to there, requires some form of, of change, right? I have, to, I have to change. Something has to change. Because change is, is inevitable. Change is going to happen. But what that change really is, it's, it's growth, right? So it's change, and then you want to write the word growth. This growth has to occur, right? Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. There is, there is no growth without change. Because if you've read John Maxwell's The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, the first law that he talks about is the law of the lid, the law of the lid. And the law of the lid, right, says that there is a lid on every leader's current ability, right? There is a lid on your organization, right? And you're the lid. If you're in charge of an organization, you're the lid. If you're in charge of a team, you're the lid. doesn't matter whatever you're in charge. Your own self-leadership, you're the lid, okay, on that. <clears throat> and so let's say that, you know, to get from, uh, you, know, you know, here to there, Right, I've got to grow as a leader. But right now I'm a five. I'm a five out of ten. If ten is like a significant strong leader, I'm a five. Now, my organization, like it or not, and I probably don't even know this, but my organization will never get above a four. Because I personally am the lid that's keeping the organization from growing. I didn't understand this as, as a principle. I just thought if I worked harder and worked more, we would get better. And 
we did gradually get better. You can grow a little bit by, you know, default, right? Because you might be doing something you've never done or you're reading or, you know, whatever it may be, but, but you're not going to have that multiplication of your growth. It's really going to take the organization to the next level. So what, what ends up happening? Some of you have probably worked for a leader that was the lid on your organization. Now, you can put a yes in the chat box, but if that other person's in this group, don't put a yes, or at least don't you know, put their name, right? <laughs> but, you, but you have to remember that you know, we personally are that cap, right, on our own personal achievement. But if we lead other people, if we lead an organization, then we're also the reason that that organization cannot get better because we're slowing it down. So <clears throat> what goal or dream are you trying to, to um, accomplish, right? What is it, what's that there for you? When you think about that there, right, and hopefully some of you have taken the time to write out what your end goal is, your you know, destination, your vision, whatever you want your organization to be and do, you have to think about, well, what, how much time has they spent actually developing other leaders? Because what I've learned here, what I've learned, I'm going to share with you that the two most important questions that a leader has to ask, ask themselves is one, am I developing my potential as a leader? And when I ask that question, I don't mean like, am I going to work every day? Am I in a leadership position? Like I'm asking you, like, are you reading? Are you stretching? Are you stepping outside of your comfort zone? Are you being mentored? Are you being coached? Like, in, like ongoing, something consistent. Not just, you know, a workshop here or there. Are you consistently developing your potential as a leader? And question number two is, am I helping other leaders develop their potential? You see, most producers and all of us are in our current uh, position because first we were amazing producers. We got stuff done and we still do get stuff done. We're pretty amazing. And actually sometimes our ability to get stuff done is a detriment <laughs> to our organization. It's the lid on our organization. More about that later. But so most producers are not reproducers of people. I certainly was not a reproducer of other people. I just, I led by faulty assumption. I gave, you know, people articles. I, I shared things via email, right? But I didn't have like an intent, intentional conversation around the content that was within that, you know, person's uh, strengths to help them, you know, grow. Most producers create more followers, right? And that's a positional leadership. I'm just, I'm just getting people to just do their job usually not very well, but they're just in a position doing a job. So why is it important for leaders to reproduce other leaders is the number one thing, like <laughs> write this down, the organization's growth potential is directly related to the personnel potential. The organization's only gonna be as good as the people within it. I mean, think about that. Think about the schools that you've worked in. The schools that were great had really great people. The schools that were not so great had some, you know, mediocre, average 
individuals in it. Your people are your only appreciable asset of the entire organization. It's, it's the law to live, okay? You grow the people, you're gonna grow the organization. Now the law of explosive growth says to add growth, right? If you just wanna add growth, you lead followers. But to multiply growth, you're gonna lead leaders, right? It compounds over time. And I believe that a leader should spend 60 to 80% of their day developing leaders, working with, working with their top people. So number two, right? So number one was the organization's growth potential is directly related to its personnel potential, right? Are you recruiting people of high capacity, basically? And, and number two is those closest to the leader will determine the success of the leader. I'll say it again. Those closest to the leader will determine the success of that leader. The strength of any team is always determined by, by the weakest link. And, and I know this very well and very sadly because over the last you know 18 months, I've been the head of four different charter schools. And I can tell you each one had a low capacity for growth with the administrative team. They, they were not trained, they were not evaluated, they were not given feedback. And it was, you know, it was very telling, but they, were, they had potential. They had the potential to learn, they had the potential to grow, because they did it, because you know, we had to do it in a short time, but they did it. But it was very obvious to me that the organization was completely dependent upon the principal. And so what I'm, what I'm going to encourage and challenge you to do and think of is what would our school be like if it wasn't dependent upon me being here and making every decision? I call it a non-principal a non dependent school. That's what I think you should work to create. A school where individuals make decisions based upon the training that they have received, right, and the understanding of the organization's purpose, values, and vision. Because I don't know about you, but have you had to make a lot of decisions lately? <laughs> Is there a lot of people coming to you to make a lot of decisions? Like some decisions are massive, and some like uh, decisions are, I can't fix the copier, or we're out of paper, okay? We're out of paper. Now what? What do we do? <laughs> what normally happens is what I would ask them. If I wasn't here, what would you do? Now that's not to diminish the individuals in that organization. It's not their fault. Their, their leaders did not know that that was their job, to help them grow their leadership capacity. Instead, they became frustrated with the inability and just having to do everything, and they just burn out, right? They just have too much work, or, or the most important things just don't get done. And I don't want that for you. You wouldn't be on this call if you wanted that for you, and I don't want that uh, for you at all. So just, just a review, and then we're gonna get going here. Why leaders need to reproduce leaders? One, the organization's growth potential is directly re related to its personnel potential. That means you need to recruit, retain, and develop leaders as an organizational leader. Two, the closest to the leader, those closest to the leader will determine the success of the leader because the success of the organization 
is really the leader's success, right? And so, it, you know, if the leader doesn't surround themselves with really strong people who are, you know, problem solver, critical thinkers, good com communicators, you know, team teamwork people, and and also able to build other leaders themselves, um, it's just going to be, you know, pretty flat, right? It's not going to be a lot of growth. Uh, every organization has a shortage of leaders, right? This is number three of why leaders need to reproduce leaders. Every organization has a shortage. I've never heard a leader wake up and go, oh, I got too many leaders in this organization. There's too many people who want to do things, you know? And number four is that leaders attract other leaders, right? It takes a leader to know a leader. It takes a leader to show a leader. And it takes a leader to grow other leaders. And the law of magnetism says that who you are is who you attract, right? We don't get what we want out of life, right? We get who we are. <laughs> so, so, the, so the more of an effective leader you are, you're going to attract other leaders. And, and so what we're going to talk a lot about over this next five weeks is creating a leadership culture. Because leadership culture is that, you know, A-level a leaders, right, as a principle, A-level leaders hire A-level people. But B-level leaders hire C-level people, right? Because it's, it's, a, it's, a, um, uh, it's a confidence thing. Right. If I'm good, like I want more, I, I want to be the dumbest person in the room. That's always my goal. So I want to surround myself with amazingly intelligent, um, you know, that people who multiply and uh, produce better outcomes. Now, what I need to remember is that when you, when you, you know, uh, remember leaders attract other leaders, right? So, so a teacher or a, you know, administrator who's at like a level eight or nine leadership, and they're not, you know, um, you know, they're going to bring in other really good people. But someone who's a five in leadership, right, who's a five at their job, they're not bringing in those high-level people, right? Nines don't hang out with fives, right? Not, not from a professional standpoint, at least. So as you're help, having your staff recruit teachers into your organization, you got to be really, really um, – mindful of who's recruiting that person, right? Because it's the law of magnetism, who we are is who we attract. So that was just something I wanted to make sure that like, that's kind of like the foundation of what I want us to think about. So I'm going to give you the chance and, and, and you know, allow yourselves to, to unmute yourselves if, you know, if you want. But, um, ooh, hold on, I got to switch this. Um, so if you want to unmute yourself and kind of share into just that first, that first, you know, piece, uh, and then, and then we'll dive a little bit into this into this first um, section here of our study guide. So, is anybody who just wants to share just kind of their first thoughts around around this first chapter? Hey, this is Vanessa. I'll share. Go ahead. Hey, Vanessa. Always, always a pleasure. <laughs> So one thing that I, I love the book so far, but one thing I struggle with is as a second year principal, um, feeling confident enough in my own leadership skills to feel like I can develop other leaders. And like, they're not, you know, people aren't kind of like judging me, like, who do you think you are? <laughs> you know, you've only been in this job yeah. for two years um, and only one like semi-typical year. Um, so that's, I guess, my whole goal for this book study is to really develop that confidence. Because um, I feel like through your trainings, like I've learned a lot, um, but it's that, um, 
you know, that judgment piece where you're like, what are they thinking? Yeah. Well, thanks for that honesty and transparency, but who cares what they're thinking? Because they're probably not even thinking about it, to be honest. You know, a leader's job is really hard. And uh, if other people wanted your job, they would have applied for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, I mean, it's interesting to like, when you try to uh, uh, bring your know, teachers into leadership uh, positions sometimes, a lot of them, they don't want to leave the classroom, right? Because they know how hard your job is. And the other piece is that I've met leaders who've done it for 20 years and they're not very good. So it all comes down to, you know, hey, I know I'm never going to learn at all, right? I think John Wooden said, it's what we learn after we think we know it all that actually counts. So going on a growth journey with your team would be amazing, right? Hey, I'm learning this about myself, right? I mean, if you've, you've heard John, you know, speak and, and um, you know, like any thought leader, like they typically share their, you know, journey, like, no leader goes on stage and starts, you know, saying how great they are. Nobody would listen to them, right? They're not some sort of, you know, messiah. They, they all have a story. They all have a growth journey. And as long as you're uh, still moving and crawling on that journey, Vanessa, you're fine. It's when you stop growing that I would ever be worried about it, okay? So... There's nothing wrong with saying, I've never encountered that uh, before. What an amazing question. What are your thoughts? Or what have you found? Or, hey, let's go research it you know, together. I don't know. And um, it's okay, because we want our teachers to model that. I mean, it's interesting when you think about schools. As teachers, we, we, get, we encourage kids to ask questions, because otherwise we don't know what they don't know. And when they don't ask questions, we get frustrated. But then as soon as something flips, right, and we move from high school to college and then we become professionals, all of a sudden we, we can't ask questions anymore. And I don't know why, right? And so I think, you know, as a leader, you should be insatiably curious. If you've read anything Simon Sinek, right, or like listen to him talk, he, he, he was, I, you know, I think it was, I, I can't remember if it was Apple, if he was in with like the, the leaders of Apple, but you know, something to that effect. And he just asked this pretty profound question that uh, it was kind of like, you know, like an ignorant question, you know, but he just really didn't know what they were doing. And he said that that, you know, question just like unlocked all of their issues because he wasn't the only person who didn't understand where they were going in the room. And all these high level CEOs and CFOs and all these people making more money than most of us will ever make in our careers also didn't know the answer. And so, you know, and they worked on the project. So I think sometimes we get a position and we automatically assume that like, hey, I am the leader, hear me roar, I've got all these titles, I get all these letters, and everybody thinks I know everything. And they don't. And I think creating a leadership culture, that's a big part of the process is you're modeling the way sharing what you've learned, what you're learning, and asking other people, what are you learning all the time? And that's, and that's just gonna make it okay to fail forward. Does that help? Yes, thank you. And, yeah. And, um, you know, it's, so one of John's 15 laws of uh, growth, of invaluable growth, is, is, is the law of the process. 
and and he says there are no microwavable leaders like you can't boom go to a workshop and all of a sudden i'm a leader nor can you just get a job and all of a sudden you're a leader being a leader is a daily intentional process that if you've you know you know malcolm gladwell is like to be an expert in anything you need ten thousand hours okay well ten thousand of hours of you know being a leader takes takes time and consistency compounds and and so it just takes that intentional um of intentionality that's a really great point of this yeah go ahead i wanted to share i was going to say on page eight um when they started talking about the geese flying in the v formation i think that was like a really strong metaphor one that i resonated with for many many years and i just put a quote in the chat um that says leaders similar to a flock of geese must be responsible for getting themselves wherever the flock is going changing roles when necessary alternating as leader or follower and i think this is something that um when i think about transformative leadership and when i think of regardless of your position right so i'm i was an assistant principal of a charter school um no longer in the school building but now serving as like as an educational researcher and i think a lot about leadership um and then one of the things that i think about is like how do I, as an AP, right, so kind of like that mid-level leadership, how do I create the conditions to, one, honor the vision of my principal and, and that person who's leading the whole school, but two, also create the opportunity and spaces for people under my direct leadership, because uh, APs have a lot of influence in the way school culture is created, and um, oftentimes we get a lot of, I think, the more real conversations, because we're so closely on the grounds. Uh, and because we're not like quote unquote the principal, so people are a little bit more honest sometimes when they speak to the AP. And so, at least in my experiences, and I, I always try to find that place of like, how can I support and develop my leader and at the same time honor and develop the talents of the people under um, in, in like in teaching or other levels? And so, like, figuring out what's that balance and how do we create influence regardless of position. And, and this is a quote that I, I used to ground myself every time that I was trying to make tough decisions or really thinking about um, what direction should I go? Like, what, what do I lean to? It was like this, this metaphor that like, I, sometimes I'm in the front and I lead, sometimes in the back and I support, sometimes I'm in the middle, like cheering people on and other times I'm literally just in the back letting people fly on their own. So just wanted to share that because when I started in the book, I was like, yes, like this is, I mean, I think it's so valuable. Awesome. Great share, Natalie. She said uh, that was on page eight of, of the book, if you've got the, of the book there. Yeah, I mean, that's it's just an easy way, right? I mean, you know, leaders lead from the back, right? Sometimes they got to lead from the front, right? But it's always a, but it's always a, um, you know, pull, right? It's never, you know, it's never a push. It's we're all working towards one, one uh, clear goal. And it's just, you know, there was uh, 1,500 people in the room today uh, here in Orlando, who came from all over the world, you know, and a lot of people couldn't come. Usually, there's about 3,500, uh, you know, because of all the travel restrictions. But to, but to be in a room for four days with, you know, 3,000 plus like-minded, you know, individuals, right, who are doing some unbelievable transformational leadership all across the world, to, you know, some folks that, you know, they're they're like afraid to do anything, right? They they're like afraid what other people, you know, think of them and. And you know, there's something our country needs right now. It it needs leadership. You know, and it just starts if you were part of our change your world books. But it just charts. It just it could just start in your own, you know, kitchen table. It just starts there, 
and you just start, you know, really teaching these uh, principles out and, um, and just, you know, helping people uh, achieve what they want, because, you know, you help other people get what they want. I can guarantee you're going to get what uh, you need. So um, I'm going to take a couple minutes here. Let's in your study guide in the red and blue, the red, white, blue study guide on page three, and I've already covered a couple of these, but there are seven, re seven reasons leaders need to reproduce leaders. And I already talked about uh, one that's closest to the leader will determine the success and the level of that leader, right? I mean, if you really think about it, your success, like you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, right? So if you have surrounded yourself with good nice people but they're incompetent in their job but they're not equipped to do their job like you've got to make a decision because you know they need a heavy training and if they don't have the capacity to do it you have to move them right you have to remove them from their weaknesses and i see that a lot um especially in charter schools uh you know a lot of organizations promote good people because they're producers right just like john says in his first you know, chapter they're producers um, and they're just, you know, loyal and you can count on them, but then they put them into positions where they have to be more than producers, right? They have to be leaders of a division or they have to be, you know, uh, producers of multiple skill sets and they don't have, you know, the skills. So we have to be very conscious of that, you know, surrounding ourselves with like-minded, right? Values-based, mission-based people, but have, have the strengths that you don't. They need to complete your weaknesses, right? They need to, to, to add growth to where you don't have that skill. So then that you're not forced out of your uh, skill zone, right? You should spend 90% of your day in your strength zone, 100% of your day outside your comfort zone. So one, so those closest to leader will determine the success of that leader. Two, an organization's growth potentially is directly related to its personnel potential, right? So, so for your company to grow, you and your team has to grow and you need to uh, develop or um, recruit and, and hire individuals of higher leadership capacity. And later in the book, there's, there's an assessment. I also put it in your Google Drive, uh, but there's an assessment that you can use to actually um, like assess whether or not we are uh, you know, um, hiring people of high leadership capacity. Three, this is one we didn't really talk about, but potential leaders help carry the load. Other leaders can lift your load by being a sounding board for you and by uh, possessing a leadership mindset, right? So this is, this is about completing the tasks that are taking time out of your true work, right? Your true work as a leader is developing other people. But we spend a lot of our time doing tangible tasks. And we need to be able to surround ourselves with individuals who can do those tasks, right? Train them how to do it. Four, leaders attract other potential leaders, right? It takes a leader to know a leader, grow a leader, and show a leader. And a person who's a five on a leadership scale of one to 10 will not attract a leader who's a nine. So the more leaders that you attract, you know, the better off you'll be. Five, leaders who mentor potential leaders multiply their effectiveness, right? Because so here's where it starts to multiply. If you think about it, if you're at the top of the organization or the top of your team, um, here, let me see if I can do this again, because I'll be dangerous. I'll be I'll take a risk. I've never used this whiteboard before, and let's see if I can go two for two today. So if you're, so if you're at the top of your organizational chart, let me clear this up here, and then you've got, you know, your top 20% are here. 
So you're spending your time, you know, growing these people, right? This is where you spend 60 to 80% of your time. Now, what you want, right? What you want is you want to teach these individuals now to start growing the people under them, right? So if this, if this person has five or six, right? And this person's got five or six, right? Now you're multiplying leadership. This is a huge thing to really, really think about, right? Because what ends up happening, what ends up happening, if I can find my ratio, let's see if I can do it. What ends up happening is that the organizational leader does everybody, <laughs> right? You're trying to develop all these people, right? And these people and managing all these people. And, and so I have, you know, you know, I recently found some, some of these organizations that I, um, you know, became the head of school at, the head of school is like supervising and evaluating 40 or 50 people, which is three to four times like the, where it should be. You shouldn't really have more than 10 to you know, 15 people under you, directly under you, like that's your team. And it could be administrative team, or it could be your teacher leaders, right? It could be like a couple of your administrators, you know, grade level chairs, your school improvement team, I mean, whatever it is. But ultimately what we end up doing is we end up supervising and evaluating everybody. And we just, we just can't give that much time. And you know, people need feedback, just like our kids need feedback. Um, so the so the more that you develop the leaders around you, hence the book title, the more that they can develop the leaders around them. And now you're just trickling down, right? You're cascading a leadership culture all the way down through the organization. Now it's not going to happen overnight, right? It's not going to happen overnight, but you just start to, you just start that process. And and so the call to action at the end of this uh, chapter helps you get there. Uh, number six was developed leaders enhance the future of the organization, right? Because there's no success without succession. And so the more that you're growing yourself and growing the people around you, right? Now you're, you know, basically, I would say you're kind of working yourself out of a job, right? Because you want other people to start taking over your work. And, and so the future of your organization uh, depends on the quality of leaders you, you hire, uh, retain, and orient. Or even the retain the leader. And number seven, the more people you lead, the more leaders you need, right? So the growth of your organization will always be capped and limited by the number of leaders you have developed and equipped to run your business. So if you haven't grown anybody, that's why you have to supervise 50 people. But if you've grown three or four people and there's 50 people in your organization, now you can all, um, you know, develop 12. And it's a, 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 a lot more manageable um, opportunity for you. So the application for uh, chapter one, right, is, is for you, um, one, is to, is to answer these five questions. Is there five or seven questions on page five, and five through seven? So we'd love to hear anybody's you know, thoughts on some of these questions about, you know, who can you bring into your circle of influence? What ways can you proactively grow yourself and grow them as leaders? What jobs or projects, right? Much your company handle more efficiently. It's a, it's a good self-assessment, but I guess what I really want to ask everybody is how are you growing your team? Does anybody have right now a, a intentional plan for growth for themselves and their team? Because I would love for anybody to share one that's working for them. I will share real quick. Um, yeah, go for it. 
So you tell everybody the, who you are. Just, just, you know, just like introduce yourself because so I my, know you, but not everybody else. My name is Rita Daniels, and I'm a first year principal. I was um, an assistant for the past six years, and this is my first year as the lead principal. But one of the things that I'm going to try to do with my my leadership team um, to grow us as a team of leaders is that we are going to read the book, The Way of the Shepherd, if you haven't read that book. Um, I'm not sure if you have, but it's a really good good read on leadership. It's a, a very small read, um, but what it basically does is, is it lets you really see um, metaphorically how the author uses the shepherd and a sheep um, to demonstrate leadership and how important it is to have a healthy um, pasture. Um, that pasture being your culture, the culture of your building. And so being a new lead principal, I think it's very valuable for, for them to be able to see the importance of even their role as well as the pasture and how each of them, um, despite not being the principal, will impact that. So I think that's a great way for us to develop as a team, um, a team of leaders. So that's one of the ways that I'm going to do it um, right now. Yeah, it's great. And I love, you know, even the thought around doing book studies multiple times, because every time I reread one of John's books or any thought leader's books, I always learn something that I missed the first time because my awareness wasn't there. You know, so I, so I see this a lot where, you know, schools like, hey, what book study should I do this year? And I'll just say, well, what's been the book study that brought the biggest impact to you as an organization that maybe you, you've already done? You know, go back and do it again. And the more that you do that, right, the more growth and the more you're going to actually um, walk the talk of that book, right? If that's the book that you want to, um, you know, emulate in your organization to actually function as. So that's great. I love books. Does anybody else have anything? Can you, can you put the book uh, title in the, in the um, uh, chat box for everybody? Ms. Dennis, please. Now, uh, Vanessa's team, and I'll just, you know, share for her if, you know, she wants to talk, talk about the impact, but, but they did, um, everybody in the organization took a DISC uh, personality profile, and that was really fun for everybody to have a better understanding of how they're wired and how they act in public versus they act in private, right, what their strengths are, what their communication do's are, their communication don'ts, uh, their ideal working environment, so that was fun to put them in you know, small teams and to really start to have these conversations and to really think, right? Because, you know, the first law of growth, you know, is the law of awareness. And, you know, you know, before we can grow, we, we need to be aware of where we need to grow at and, and what are our strengths, what are our areas uh, for growth. So DISC is a really great one um, that, you know, we've seen uh, book studies is really great. You know, the one thing that I would just encourage you to do, whatever it is that you're doing, just be consistent and keep going. Right, because your your consistency is going to compound, and so the more that you um, align your professional development plan uh, to to this consistent material, um, you know the better your organization is going to be as a whole. Perfect. Yeah, the way of the shepherd. I love it. Thanks, Dr. Dr. Kevin is a Lehman and Bill Pentak. All right. So the folks who are listening on the, the podcast will capture that one. All right. So any other thoughts around chapter one? Um, there's 
you know, the most important part of these, uh, these uh, book studies, right, I think are, you know, being a part of these calls because someone's going to ask a question that's going to spark something in you, right? It's not something about I say or someone says, but something's going to unlock what you need. But these application exercises are by far the most important. So be sure that you're, you know, you know spending 10 to 15 minutes a week, go, you know, going through the application exercises of each, of each of the chapters. Um, so chapter two, uh, chapter two, is is um is is really talking about where do we where do we find these leaders right where do we find them and i'll always laugh you know john every time john maxwell um he'll, you know talk about this like where do where do you find leaders at and uh he'll like tell a story about how he'll be at the airport and um you know uh he's getting a car and so he's you know coming down to the baggage and and you know, someone will have a sign that says, you know, John Maxwell. And John will walk up to the person, and the guy goes, "Oh, I found you." And he's like, "No, you didn't. You didn't find me. You, I found you. you. had my name up. That's the only reason, right?" And so there was this one particular time that a guy actually saw him out and said, "Oh, you're John Maxwell." And he said, "Yeah. How do you know?" He goes, "I brought your book." And he had one of John's book, and it had his uh, picture on the back, right? And John's like, "Yes, right. You saw the picture." of what you're looking for. I think one of the most important, um, the most important uh, 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 um, exercises a leadership team can do, right, is to create a, the, a picture of a potential leader. And to, because, you know, leaders have the ability to make things happen. And, and so it's important that when you're hiring leaders, like when you have an understanding of, of what's the avatar for your organization, right? What does, you know, if, if you were to uh, define a leader at your school, what would that person look like? What qualities would they have? What values would they have? Because leaders are hard to find, right? There's not an abundance of effective leaders. Leaders are hard uh, to gather because they're typically pretty independent people. Leaders are hard to unite, right? And leaders are hard to keep. Because, you know, by nature, they're, you know, restless. They want to, you know, go more and be more and, you know, do more. So, you know, you have to really have some intentionality around finding leaders for your organization. Now, every organization has four types of people who affect momentum. There's momentum breakers, right? And momentum breakers, they say and do things that just stop momentum, right? They'll maybe ask a question during a, a uh, meeting, right? Or they'll be Debbie Downer, or maybe they're like, um, they're like, you know, a spirit animal like Eeyore, right? It's just kind of all bothered. It's just everything they do just sucks the wind out of any momentum or idea, right? And then there's also momentum takers, right? They say and, say and do things that just sap the momentum. They're like, you know, like I said, there's two uh, types of people. There's those who lift and those who lean. And, you know, momentum takers are leaners. Like they just come into the room and they just suck all the energy out, right? It's not, it's like, oh, hey, you know, great, Tom's here. It's, oh, great, Tom's here, right? There's momentum takers. You got momentum fakers. They say and do things that stage momentum, right? These are the people that, that their walk doesn't match their talk. Okay, they, they say a lot of things, but there's no substance behind it. And then there's momentum makers, right? These are the, the ones that say and do things that start momentum. They're, 
their walk, right, matches their talk, talk, right? Their walk, walk matches their talk, talk. And those momentum makers, the ones that say and do things that start the momentum, those are your potential leaders. They make things happen, right? They get things done. They're not, they're not, you know, when, you know, when they're coming into to a, a difficult situation, they're not, you know, you know, pouring gasoline on every, you know, fire, right? They're not making it worse. They're not, they're not, um, you know, they're, you know, pouring water on it. They're uh, putting the fire out and they're, you know, learning how the fire came about. And then they're working to make sure the fire never happens again. And then, you know, leaders gather other leaders because leadership is influence. And leaders have two characteristics. They're, you know, they're going somewhere and they're able to persuade other people. They're going somewhere and able to uh, persuade. So uh, some of the questions that leaders can ask themselves, right, is looking at the potential leaders in your organization, like who do they influence? Like who's following them? Like when, when there's an initiative that we have, you know, going on, or if I put them in charge of something, like, is it easy for them, you know, to get it done? Do they have a hard time, you know, leading their, their uh, peers and colleagues? The second question is, is, is who influences them, right? Who are they following, right? Who are the, you know, you know, the either thought leaders in their life or the organization leaders in their life that is influencing them? Are they, are they heading in the right direction, influencers, or the wrong way? Or are they gaining or losing influence, right? Or are they, are they on their way up? Or are they on their way down um, in the organization? So, you know, um, when you think about a 360-degree uh, leader, right, they, they, they really influence everyone because they influence, you know, people up, right, those above them. They have no reason to listen to them. They, they influence those across, right? They've gained the permission because they have influence with their peers, right, and so they're leading um, east and west. And then they are able to also influence those those underneath them, right? They're, those 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 would be their followers, uh, right? That anything that they do, they're you know willing uh, to help them, right? And at the bottom, you know, you know, level is you know people who influence nobody, <laughs> right? They may just you know come in a room and nobody even knows that they're there. So a leader doesn't just see the person, right? He or sees all the people that that person influences. And that's what you need to pay attention to, right? As you're, as you're choosing who you're going to start spending more and more time with, ask yourselves, you know, who do they influence? Uh, who influences them? And are they gaining or losing influence uh, right now? And so leaders are big picture thinkers. They need to see before others see, right? Great leaders see more before others, right? They see more than others before others. So really be, you know, gosh, who's those people that always see the big picture? Who's those people? Who are those people who bring problems, you know, uh, potential problems and a solution to me, you know, before it even happens? Like, who are the ones that are really looking out uh, for the organization's future, right? And they're focused uh, thinkers, right? They, they, they are, you know, focused on the, the goal at hand. Um, they're creative thinkers. They're realistic thinkers, right? They, they have a, an ability to see the current reality. They're strategic thinkers, right? They're able to bring strategy to a challenge. They're possibility thinkers, right? They're not, they're not just always bringing problems. They're bringing, hey, 
here's a potential solution to this issue, right? They're always thinking positively. Uh, they're reflective thinkers. They're always, they're always reflecting on their, um, you know, current practices and how can I improve and how can we, you know, I always say they have that, you know, disease, right? They, it never really shuts off. Uh, you, you know, they're, they're shared thinkers. So they're not, you know, they're not um, making decisions in a silo, right? They, they have no issues with collaboration and, you know, sharing ideas. Um, they're bottom line thinkers, right? They, they're like, hey, we know we need to get here, so let's, you know, um, let's do anything we can, right? Because, you know, you know, the bottom line is, you know, this is our, this is our uh, minimum result we want to get. We want to be uh, thinking above it. And, and they're unselfish uh, thinkers um, as well. So they're always, always willing to share. So there's, you know, when you take this, when you take that list, like, you know, that's in the book, you can really start to think through, okay, who are these people in my organization already? Can I already start to get a picture of what, of what they may look like? So in our last 10 uh, minutes or so, right, there's a couple, couple reflection questions. And then there's um, on page nine, there's, you know, there's an application here um, for you to take a short uh, self-assessment. And then, and then on page 10, there's, uh, you know, questions about your, or, your organization's growth. So there's some good self-assessment application pieces here. So in our last 10, you know, minutes or so, what, what questions or what aha moments do you have from, you know, chapter one or two? And, you know, did anybody take the time to start to do some of these reflective exercises? And if so, you know, what, what are some things that you're learning about yourself and your organization? Anybody like to share? <laughs> I'll make a call on somebody. I know you've had a long day. So I think for me, page nine of our, um, of our study guide, there's this part one, this personal growth commitment, okay? And it says answer the following questions to determine your current commitment level. And, and so we are asked today uh, by the president now of the John Maxwell team, his name is Mark Cole. Um, he said, write down a word that would describe your growth plan before the John Maxwell team, right? And I wrote down um, uh, scattered, right? And so then he said, write down a word, um, you know, after, and I just put uh, purposeful. And so like, when I look at these uh, uh, questions here, right, the questions about my commitment to personal growth, do I have a game plan for uh, personal growth? And so yes or no. Am I the leader of that plan, right? So am I driving that plan or is somebody driving it for me? Am I willing to change to keep growing? Is my life an example for others to follow? Am I willing to pay the price to become a great leader? So these are, these are five you know, questions for you to ask yourself. And there's a responsive no to any of these questions means that you'll need to examine your plan and commitment for your personal growth. Because remember, I mean, the only guarantee of a better tomorrow is to grow today. Is to grow today. And then, and then there's, there's, there's a set of 10 uh, questions for your organization. And this would be a great, like if you're a, if you're a, charter school or a private school principal, I mean, what a great self-assessment you, you could take a look, you know, 
Like number one is has the organization made a specific commitment to grow and uh, develop people? Seldom, sometimes, or usually. Like, I mean, what a great self-assessment. You could ask you know, some of your top uh, you know, teammates, right? That top, you know, 20% and get their feedback and say, do you feel like you're growing in this? Because, because I mean, think about any job that you've left, why did you leave? You probably left because you didn't feel there was potential for you in your organization. Remember, people quit people. They don't quit organizations, right? So if they feel as though they're not feeling valued and it's not a place for them to grow and, and, to, and to stay and to, and to really reach their own personal and professional goals, they're going to go find a place, right? So I really love these 10 uh, questions here um, that can really help you start to, start to get more intentionality around your growth plan for, for your organization. Any other thoughts or questions around... Oh, yeah, I wanted to share that. Yeah, I can share that. When I was a teacher in Colorado Springs, um, the organization I used to work for, we used to have what was called like an Endeavor grant. And so every year, teachers were given a $1,000 budget um, to be able to go and participate in professional development. So, and that didn't go towards like hiring the suburb. It was like $1,000 for you to go and explore. So some teachers would do one big conference that they really look forward to doing. Or you could then like do multiple smaller ones depending on you know what you could find within the price range and if you needed that to pay for your flights or whatever like it was provided for you had a thousand dollars it wasn't like you can't renew it so you can't do like two three five grand so like no but it was just every year the hope was that everybody would participate in professional development outside of the school and then once you attended you would come back to the upcoming meeting and share what you learned right uh, be able to share the practices with your grade level team or with the whole school wide, depending on what meeting was up. Yeah, I love those models, right? I mean, it does a couple of things, Natalie, right? I mean, one, it, it brings information back to the organization, right, which is important, but it also puts some intentionality, right, and, and, some, and some ownership and accountability around the person going for the training but also makes me feel valued because now I get a chance, right, to, to train the trainer model. And, and you, know, you know, one thing that I always encourage, um, you know, others is to, hey, don't just send one person, right? Send two or send three. Like, we've got our, our uh, principals consortium. And I always was, like, encouraging uh, principals, hey, bring, bring your assistant principal or bring, like, a top-like teacher. And this is an opportunity for them to, to tour these schools, um, you know, some of the best schools here in North Carolina, uh, to walk the hallways, to ask, you know, uh, teachers and leaders, you know, questions like, how are you doing this? Because it's hard to, it's hard for me to get, you know, uh, people to catch what I'm feeling, right? Like, I'm motivated, I'm inspired, I'm, I'm here, right? But you're not, you know, feeling that. You're like, well, I, I don't know, I wasn't there. It sounds good. I could probably just read it in the magazine, right? But so, so the more people that you bring to instances like that, Natalie, right, and then have them come back and be the professional development team of that school um, improvement initiative. What a great opportunity to, to multiply leadership, to build capacity. Um, and that's, you know, one of the things we have is our teacher leadership academy. Uh, you, know, we, you know, we invite cohorts of two, four, or eight. Um, it's always in pairs. I always send, please send, you know, two or, or more because then, because then you, you, know, you know, not only do you get to learn, but you get to, you know, learn and grow and, you know, bounce ideas and strategize off. So I love, I love those models. Those, you know, critical friends group models are, are really, really powerful um, to do it. Awesome. All right. 
So your homework, right, for next week, and I'll be live next week. I know it's a holiday here in the United States, but, you know, 7 o'clock is y'all got school the next day, so let's do it. So 7 o'clock, right, we're going to read the next two, uh, two uh, chapters. But what I want to start with is I want to start with, you know, do these exercises, um, you know, do these application exercises, and let's just start next week with, you know, talking through them, right? What, what have you learned about your, your own personal development plan? Uh, do you have a plan for your growth? Does your team have a plan for their growth? If they don't, like, let's have a conversation about it. I would love to help you map that out and you know, help you find the resources for it, um, right? And help you understand, like, well, what is it that we really need, right? What do, you know, what does my team need? So do you have a plan for growth? Does your team have a plan for growth? Is it intentional, right? And, it, you know, and is it aligned? And then, you know, working through these other questions, like, what does your team think, right? Do they think that they're growing? Do they think that they're putting an opportunity uh, to grow and to and to stay in an organization and uh, be there. And if you've been, you know, last last uh, Thursday I had a you know workshop on, um, uh, uh, you know, how to how to focus on your priorities. I mean, I believe one of your daily five, your rule of five, if you've been part of our rule of five uh, training, right? That these are the daily things that I believe a school leader should do, and nobody nobody can do it for them, right? This is something that needs to be as a part of your daily five is developing yourself and developing other leaders, um, right? You, you might not be the best developer of other people yet, right? But you have to develop yourself. And then you're gonna to need to make sure someone is there in your organization to help you develop other leaders until you're ready, right? To really take that on a high level. Um, so the law of the priorities, there's an exercise that just helps you start to um, create a task list for other people to do, right? And, and to start to, you know, uh, delegate things and empower other people and start to train, right? Foster, no, does it have to be done by me? If the answer is no, then you start to train someone else, right? And here's just an easy way to start to develop the leaders around you as right? you're starting to give them really, really important tasks. So if you're listening to this on our podcast, please, 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 you know, subscribe, um, you know, subscribe to our podcast so you'll get an update every time. Uh, this will be a five-week, you know, session. So each week, you know, we'll come and we'll talk about two, uh, two uh, chapters. Um, and so great job, everybody. Keep on growing, right? I believe in you and I believe in your dream. And this is going to work, right? But it's only going to work if you work it. And this is not, this is not a one and done. This is a, if you're going to be in the leadership world, like developing the leaders around you is going to be a full-time job for you. Uh, so really, it's okay if you're not good at it. I wasn't good at it. I'm improving at it. I'm nowhere where I need to be. And so we're all on this journey together. And so I look forward uh, to the next, you know, four weeks with each of you. And hey, there's still time. You know, bring in other people. You know, they can come in and they can work with us and we can get them you know, copies of the workbook and a study guide. So do your homework. See you next week. Email me at tom at lbleaders.com. Um, if you have any questions or go to lbleaders.com and uh, click on the button at top right to schedule a quick call. Bye-bye, everybody. Hey, everybody. Tom Miller here. Thanks for listening to our latest episode of the Principal's Office Podcast. I hope it added value to you. And don't forget to take those action steps. I just want to spend 30 seconds in telling you about an upcoming event. It's our best leadership event of the year. It's called Live to Lead. It's a leadership simulcast where John Maxwell and other elite thought leaders from around the world, uh, you know, spend a half a day with you and your team um, teaching you leadership principles and really, really giving you the strategies and ideas that you need 
to overcome these challenging times of this last quarter of our calendar year. So easy to go to, go to our website at lbleaders.com. It's leadersbuildingleaders.com forward slash live the number two lead hyphen Raleigh, right? So live to lead Raleigh. I, I 